0: Thank you. We're back again to wash the stink of the UFC Apex off of our collective eyeballs to watch big fights with a big crowd in Anaheim for UFC 298. As we lead up to UFC 300, these cards are getting stacked. We have 13 ranked fighters in just 12 fights on this card, but today we're going to focus on spotlighting a few fighters and fights that are flying under the radar. We're going to make picks on the whole card, but I will be putting a spotlight on Rinya Nakamura, the undefeated cannon out of Saitama Japan, Oban Elliott, the Welshman, making his debut, and we're going to talk a little bit about a cracker of a fight. I think everyone has
1: forgotten about. Bye, fans, listen up. We have teamed up once again with DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 298 is just around the corner. It's a banger of a card. And have we got a deal for you? Will Taporia dethrone the great or will Alexander Volkanovsky come back and defend his title? Right now, new customers can get a no sweat bet. Get a bonus bet up to $1,000 in the amount of your original bet if it doesn't hit. It's a no brainer. It's a minimum deposit of $5. So sign up using our code on point. And for all you existing customers, okay, DraftKings is not forgetting about you. All customers get SGP insurance every day, which means you get a bonus bet back if just one leg of your SGP loses. Terms may vary. And if sports betting's not even available yet in your state, don't stress. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy. And you'll still be in with a chance to win some cash prizes. So make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. New customers, use the promo code ONPOINT and BET to get a no-sweat bet. And that's promo code On Point over at DraftKings Sportsbook.
0: I'm Max from MMA On Point. Thank you so much to our YouTube members and Hall of Famers. And this is The Unfamiliars for UFC 298. First up on the card, Andrea Lee takes on Miranda Maverick. These two ladies are sitting just on the edge of the rankings with Andrea Lee, of course, being a longtime UFC vet, but now going on her second three-loss skid in the UFC, which is not a great look. Maverick, I highlighted back in the day as she was coming up, a really incredible young contender, and she has shown glimpses of that in her UFC run so far, but keeps getting tripped up in close fights higher up the card. She's coming off a great armbar win over everyone's favorite punching bag, Priscilla Cachoeira, though, and this one should be competitive. With her long kickboxing game, I think Lee has the tools to really annoy Maverick on the feet, but Miranda's wrestling and her physicality should be all too much for KGB. Miranda's going to want to close the distance early, land damage and get the takedown. And I think she will do that. I'm going to take Miranda Maverick by submission. Next up, we have Val Woodburn versus Oban Elliott. And that leads me to my first spotlight fighter of the night. Growing up in Merthyr Tidfield, Wales, Oban Elliot's father was an amateur boxer, so young Oban found himself lacing up the gloves from a young age too, trying out his hand at boxing, taekwondo, and judo before settling in the MMA world. He now trains out of a gym with every other big Welsh name in MMA, Shaw Gym, alongside Jack Shaw, Jack Marshman, and Brett Johns. Oban lost his father at a young age to suicide, and it nearly destroyed his family. The only escape from the grief came when he was training. So working nights, digging railway track, Oban worked himself to an undefeated 7 0 amateur record in Cage Warriors, winning their amateur tournament title at their 100th event before turning pro. His diverse and powerful kickboxing game and a sneaky wrestling offense, too, got him a solid eight wins, two losses record in the Yellow Gloves as a pro. And as good as his ability is, his grit is what really impresses me and what gets him through some of those fights. Before his contender series shot, he said that they would have to take him out of the cage in a box for him to lose this opportunity. And that very nearly came true against his his opponent Kaik Brito. The second round would turn into an absolute battering for Elliot. He spent most of that round dazed, eating left hooks repeatedly stumbling around but refusing to lose. To come back in the third round and dominate, knock Brito down, end the round in top position landing ground and pound was incredible. As the seconds ticked away to the final horn, Elliot looked down into Brito's eyes and said you're good but you're never beating me and that is how it felt but no matter if Brito threw harder and had cleaner technique he couldn't outfight this Welshman who still Still works nights laying rail track even as he prepares for this UFC debut. Elliot talks about his UFC shot as if it was an inevitability, that he was never going to be outworked in trying to reach his goal. Elliot takes on Val Woodburn, who was brought in by the UFC to lose to Bo Nickel. Woodburn has just as much to prove as Elliot, and that Nickel fight was his first loss. He's a short, stocky, incredibly powerful guy. He is built like a brick shithouse. He's very dangerous, and Elliot is either going to have to tidy up his defense or else lean on that toughness again to get the win here. Bart Elliott has impressed me immensely in his mentality and his ability so in his debut here I'm going to take Oban Elliott to get the win by a knockout. Next up, Josh Quinlan takes on Danny Barlow. Two lads young in their career here, both Dana White Contender Series graduates and a pretty solid matchup here as well. After Josh Quinlan's Dana White Contender Series win in his big round one knockout, it was overturned for a failed steroid test. He was allowed into the big show nonetheless though, and he's gone one and one last time out suffering his first career loss. He hits incredibly hard. He's finished all six of his wins, but it's worth noting steroid use as far as his comments on the matter go, it wasn't an accidental tainted supplement thing. I'm interested to see how much of his power boxing game dissipates once that. At PED use stops happening. Danny Barlow comes into this one undefeated, making his debut with five round one finishes of his own. A rangy counter-striker with a big reach advantage, he's going to want to avoid the power shots and snipe from range against Quinlan. This one is a coin flip for me. I think it ends by KO, but either guy could take it. Barlow has been clipped on the inside by good power boxes before though, so just based on that stylistic thing, I'm going to take Josh Quinlan, I'll say he gets it done by knockout. Next up, ming Zhang takes on Brenson Hibeiro. 31 wins, 31 finishes across these lads' records. They like to get it done well before the bell. Zhang is riding a nine fight first round win streak coming into this one off of Road to UFC, the Asian UFC contract tournament, with the majority of his fights taking place in his native China, which means his record is dodgy. Seriously, his last fight before his Road to UFC shot was against a guy with one win and three losses, and Zhang had already knocked this guy out less than a year earlier. Zhang has actually fought one guy three times. He's finished him in the first round every time. Obviously, this guy hits pretty hard. He's a big boy. He usually fights at 220, but he has had some shocking losses on that record as well. It's really hard to analyze guys coming in with these padded records. Brenson Ribeiro, meanwhile, comes out of the Brazilian regional scene, building himself up a solid record with his rangy, powerful counter kickboxing. Got himself the Chuto Brazil title. His contender series shot was against an LFA champion, which made it all the better when he landed a picture-perfect counter right hand to win that contract. This will be his debut, and I think he is a slightly more technical fighter in this one. He's got nice, fast attacks from the outside. It's kind of a close one to call with Zhang's record. It's really hard to know how good is until he fights someone better but i'm going to have to take brenson hibero by knockout here Next up, Carlos Vera takes on Linnya Nakamura, and he is our second spotlight fighter of the night. Linya Nakamura was born into martial arts. His father, Kozo Nakamura, was an essential figure in the development of MMA in the East, working behind the scenes to help build and run Shuto, one of the first MMA promotions and the organization behind Vale Tudo Japan, which was the precursor to Pride FC. Kozo was the man who convinced Hicks and Gracie to compete in these tournaments, and the rest is history. Kozo Nakamura was well-respected in the martial arts world, especially within in Japan. And once Rinya turned three, he was brought every day to purebred gym in Saitama, which his father built and was attached to their house. There, Rinya grew up surrounded not only by MMA fighters, but MMA legends. Yuki Nakai, Kid Yamamoto, Ensign Inoue. Rinya grew up watching these men train every day, and for him, it was a natural choice to end up as a martial artist. When you think of freestyle wrestling, Japan probably isn't the first place that comes to mind, but you'd be wrong there. It is a rich history of wrestling in Japan. They're actually the third overall in Olympic all-time medal table. 4 wrestling behind only the Soviet Union and the USA. Rinya focused on his wrestling from the age of 5 and by 16 he was already meddling at world championship level for his age. In wrestling if you outscore your opponent by 10 points they call off the match and you win by a technical fall. It's basically a mercy rule right? You're winning so hard we don't need the match to continue that kind of thing. Well Rinya won 3 of his 4 matches at the under 23 world championships by technical fall completely dominated the 61 kilo weight class and became the world champion. In the full blown adult world championships he suffered a partially torn cornea and couldn't see for 2 of his 5 matches but he still managed to place 5th. And this more than anything is what makes Rinya Nakamura special in my eyes. His fighting spirit to continue is amazing and the physical damage he has fought through in his young career is ridiculous. While sparring with wrestlers 60 pounds heavier than him in the lead up to Olympic qualifiers, Nakamura dislocated his shoulder so badly that the head of his bone popped out of his armpit. His tendons and nerves were badly damaged, his whole arm atrophied. He couldn't lift his arm over his head, but he still and he won four of five matches, losing only to the man who would go on and win the gold medal at the Olympics. And this loss was what turned him away from wrestling and into MMA. But like I said earlier, it wasn't some passing fancy to try MMA. This boy grew up literally engulfed in it. Some of us grew up stealing glimpses at Pride fights on YouTube, but Rinya Nakamura was actually in the stands at the Saitama Super Arena watching Pride. This guy was destined to be in the UFC. Rinya's first three fights didn't last long. He finished them all with devastating athletic knockouts. For his fourth fight he was offered a 30 fight veteran with 27 wins Alejandro caetano and in training Rinya broke his ankle and nose both in two places he kept training he developed a bacterial infection he still kept training his mental health deteriorated he still kept training he spoke about it on his youtube channel truly believing he was going to die but despite all of this he went out and scored a decision win over the veteran since then, across two road to the ufc fights to earn his contract and now two ufc fights he has been flawless with a total record of eight wins six finishes, no losses. Hopefully now you can see why I like this guy. Not only is he incredibly explosive and aggressive, technically masterful, but he has such a history of refusing to give in despite adversity that I can't help but respect. Especially because if I stub my toe on a chair, I'm out. I'm on the shelf for like a week. Of course, it's important to temper expectations in terms of his career. He's only had eight fights and every guy he comes up against at this level is going to be his biggest challenge yet. His opponent this time, Carlos Vera, is coming in on short notice, has experience in the ultimate fighter house. He's riding a four fight win streak to say he's dangerous is an understatement. Vera trains at 50 50 gym with Ryan Hall, and as well as a dangerous submission game earned by training under a BJJ legend like Hall, Vera is also the striking coach at that gym. So he knows his way around the kickboxing game as well. It's a good challenge for Nakamura here, but I think this guy is as good a talent as we've seen coming out of that region in a long time. I will take Vinya Nakamura by decision. Next up, Marcos Rogerio de Lima takes on Justin Taffer. Every good card needs a big sloppy heavyweight fight on there, and this is as good as those get. Justin Tafa's on a hell of a run these past couple of years, going three massive knockouts in a row. De Lima, meanwhile, is coming off of getting on the bad side of Derek Lewis's knuckles, but he's proven over 10 years in the UFC he can eke out a win over anyone in this division. The Brazilian's the favorite because of his solid wrestling ability. If he can't get Justin down early, Tafa's going to knock him out, and the Brazilian isn't getting any younger, so I'm going to take Justin Tafa again by KO. Next up, Amanda Limosh takes on Mackenzie Dern. These ladies are both looking to regain traction at the top of this division. Limosh coming off of getting dominated by Whaley. Zhang and Mackenzie Dern reminding everyone that she can't strike while getting murdered by Jessica Andrade. Seriously, I don't mean to sound mean, but that Andrade fight was just bad. She got knocked down four times in a round. It was just not good. Obviously, she's an incredible jiu-jitsu player, but her striking is just so unnatural that it's a massive liability. With Dern's 14% takedown accuracy, though, I don't know how easy she's going to actually get the fight to the ground. So I'm going to stick with Amanda Lamos. I'll say she gets it done on the feet, by decision. Now I'm going to be presenting my Forgotten Fight Award for a fight I reckon should be very exciting that no one is paying attention to. This time around it goes to Anthony Fluffy Hernandez taking on Roman Kopilov. Both these guys are on a tear at the moment. No one seems to realize it. Since losing to Kevin Holland back in 2020 Fluffy Hernandez has gone four straight with three finishes and Kopilov is on his own streak of four. All finishes. All very nasty. These two lads are on a collision course of violence and mean intentions. Just on the cusp of those top 15 rankings at middleweight and I think they're going to put on a banger this weekend. Fluffy's game is built around getting his man on the mat and putting him through a grindy nightmare of ground and pound and submission attempts. He does not slow down or run out of cardio which in itself has won him fights in the past. Kapilov on the other hand is like an angry mum with a sandal. Violent and accurate from a distance. He sits on the outside of his opponent's range landing devastating kicks from southpaw and countering really well. Big Chase Hooper here has struggled against smothering wrestlers in the past which should give Fluffy a big boost but if this turns into a straight kickboxing man, match, Kapilov could put Fluffy in the hospital, but with how relentless Hernandez is and the fact that Kapilov has been tapped out by much worse grapplers than Fluffy, I'm going to stick with him. I'm going to say Fluffy Hernandez gets it done by submission. Next up, Marab Di takes on Henry Cejudo. Feels weird there's no belt involved in this, but this is a cracker. Two high-level dudes, very similar strengths. I can't wait to see if Henry can do something on the feet here because despite his Olympic-level wrestling, I really do feel like Marab has an edge in the MMA grappling with his damaging Sambo-style wrestling. Marab is going on six years undefeated at this point. The way he beat Piotr Jan is the same way he'll want to work here. Outrageous cardio, pressure, and technique to just drown Henry. And despite the size difference, if Aljamain Sterling can out-wrestle Henry Cejudo, You've got to imagine Murab Duvalish really can. I'm gonna take Murab. I say he wins it by decision. Next up, Jeff Neal takes on Ian Machado Gary. We finally actually get to see these guys fight after all of the talk online. I'm so bored of it. I just wanna see them in there. Neal is one of the most underrated guys in the UFC, but he's coming off a big last shove cut, for which he missed weight by five pounds. You can't help but feel there's some stuff going on there. He's also struggled against long-rangey strikers in the past like Wonderboy Thompson, and Ian is one of the best guys with that style in the game right now. Gary is just gonna be looking for those Viper fast counter strikes. I think in a kickboxing match, which is how this one's probably gonna go down, Ian wins nine times out of 10. I'll take Ian Gary by decision. Next up, Rob Whitaker takes on Paulo Costa. Good fight this. Costa's a relative unknown at this point because he's been one of the most inactive fighters on the roster. He's only fought three times since UFC four came out, guys. And we're deep into UFC five now. Rob, of course, coming off of a loss to the champ, Duplessis, that most people thought we'd see him win. He was looking great in that fight as well, but the power overwhelmed him, and Costa has power in buckets. It's going to have to be sharp to come out of this one with his wits about him, but just like in the Drickus fight, you've got to give Bobby Knuckles the technical edge in basically every area. If he can zig when he should zig and zag when he should zag, keep everything in his own rhythm, I feel like Bobby Knuckles should take this one. I'll take Robert Whitaker by decision. And your main event of the evening for all the marbles at Featherweight, Alexander Volkanovsky takes on Ilya Tapuria. You gotta give Tapuria props for the confidence. I mean, changing your Insta bio as if you've already won the fight is ballsy. Even the most arrogant UFC fighters we've ever had haven't done that. The disrespect to one of the greatest fighters of all time in Alex Volkanovsky is immense. And yeah, Tapuria's mostly walked the walk. He's 14-0. He's a legit black belt on the mat, a complete monster on the feet. The question is, if Volk is the same Volk as before that Markashev head kick. The same Volk that took one of the best divisions in the UFC and made it his own, who beat Max Holloway three times, gave Markashev his toughest fight. Volk seems motivated. He's bouncing back from a bad KO really fast, though, and it's a bit scary. The odds are dead even, and as bad as Superior is, I'm still just not ready to pick against one of the GOATs. So I'm sticking with Alexander Volkanovsky. I'll say he gets it done by TKO and remains the champion. What do you guys reckon? I'm sure you disagree. I hope you liked our little spotlights. Keep an eye on those guys. Thank you as always to our YouTube channel champions and members. If you want to click the join button, you can go ahead and do that. Help support the channel and get a bunch of cheeky bonuses your way. Have a great weekend and enjoy the violence.